0: Radio gag, the gays against guns show. Prepare
1: to gag, yeah. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Radio Gag. I am Libby Edwards, one of the co-producers. This week, instead of presenting our usual in memoriam, we'd like to tell our listeners about the incredible Soulbox Project, an action in Washington D.C. that will honor two hundred thousand victims of gun violence. Hello, I'm Leslie Lee, the founder of The Soul Box Project. We collect and exhibit thousands of hand-folded origami boxes to raise awareness of the U.S. gunfire epidemic. Each Soul Box holds a space for a life lost or torn apart by gunfire. On October 16th and 17th, our project will exhibit 200,000 soul boxes on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. to represent the number of men, women, and children shot in less than three years. Come experience this beautiful and visceral call to action, unlike any other gun violence prevention initiative. You can participate in our event processions or volunteer to help at (laughs) soulboxproject.org. Thank you, Leslie. GAG will be supporting the Remarkable Soulbox Project. And GAG member J.W. Walker will be with us now to tell us more about this one-of-a-kind action and how Gays Against Guns will be involved.
2: Hi, Libby. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I just want to say that the Soulbox Project uh, really, really resonates me. Um, As someone who's been with Gays Against Guns um, since our very first action back in 2016, the way that the Soulbox Project is memorializing um, uh, victims of gun violence. Uh, and the fact that they've expanded it beyond people uh, who lost their lives, but to people who were shot and injured, it means so much to me. Some of our members have had horrendous uh, experiences with gun violence and survived, thankfully, so that I got to meet them and got to know them. Um, and I think it's just brilliant that the Soulbox Project is incorporating, um, you know, the names and the stories of, of survivors. Um, I think that's so important. And that's why Gays Against Guns is going down to D.C. Uh, two weekend, uh, in two weekends, on the, the weekend of the 16th and the 17th of October, um, to participate in the Soulbox Project.
1: How will GAY be participating?
2: Uh, well, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff down in D.C. Uh, you can't take a bunch of gaggers down to our nation's capital and not expect us to take full advantage of that space. Um, uh, with the Soul Box Project, we are going to be participating uh, in the processions uh, to the National Mall and from the National Mall. Uh, they've asked us to, um, you know, to participate and help help lead the processions. We'll do anything that they ask of us. Um, we're gonna be having a conference call with the organizers early next week to, to finalize details. And we're still getting clarity on how many members are gonna come down with us. And if folks who are members of GAG are listening uh, and you'd like to come down to DC, either with us or under your own steam, please reach out to info at gaysagainstguns.net and let us know and we can make sure to get your name in um in the queue. Uh but also, you know, since we're we're going to participate in this, you know, really moving tribute uh to victims of gun violence, um, we also want uh you know to do some of our more um our more gaggy stuff uh, is separate from the Soul Box Project. We're probably going to be doing something at the Supreme Court uh, because, as you know, uh, there is a court case in which which a, a New York City shooting club is suing the state of New York to try to overturn our very strong Uh, gun violence prevention laws to sort of put us on a par with a lot of these states that guns get trafficked from into New York City causing mayhem and death Uh, so we'll probably be doing something at the Supreme Court uh, and then um, uh, you know and maybe maybe a few other things that I'm not going to talk about on the radio. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well i i can imagine gag is always very very original and very active and i'd also like to remind people that on the soulboxproject.org website it will tell you many different ways you can help uh, the Soulbox project prepare for this amazing event there's a lot of work to be done and they need a lot of hands on deck. so if you can participate in the preparation as well as in the procession, I know they would love to hear from you.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, it's going to be a, a lot of um, a lot of uh, moving pieces. They're going to need all hands on deck. Uh, they are they are honoring two hundred thousand people. Um, that is, you know, that's something to remember. Two hundred thousand uh, victims of gun violence, both living and those who have passed on. So uh, there's a we need a lot, of, a lot of people to help. So if you're going to be in the DC area, um, please, please come out and join in. Go to the Soulbox uh, Project's website uh, and and join in.
1: Okay, well, thank you very much, Jay.
2: Thank you, Libby. Have a great rest of your show.
1: Thanks. Again, the Soul Box Project on the Mall on October 16th and 17th will be a powerful reminder of why gun regulation in our country is so important. And again, for more information, see the website, soulboxproject.org. And I am here with my co-producers, Sarah Germain Lilly and Shep Wanen. Our guest today is Barry Grobart, the New York State Advocacy Lead for Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America. And we are going to discuss today an upcoming Supreme Court case called New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Kenneth Corlett and Richard McNally. And this case has asked the Supreme Court to resolve a critical constitutional impasse concerning the Second Amendment. In its last decision, the District of Columbia versus Heller, the court ruled that an individual has a right to keep and bear arms, but it has also stated that that right is not unlimited and that guns and gun ownership can be regulated. The question this case asks is whether the Second Amendment allows the government to prohibit ordinary law-abiding citizens from carrying handguns outside the home for self-defense.
3: Okay, Barry, can you explain to us the importance of this upcoming case, the Krola case, coming out of New York State?
4: Uh, Sure. Thank you, Shep. So first of all, as, as Libby mentioned, this is the first time the Supreme Court has taken up a major gun case since 2008 the Heller decision, which really changed the whole focus of how America government courts viewed uh, access to guns. It, for the first time, Heller said that people have a right to carry guns outside the home, which was not a, uh, an understanding from the Second Amendment for the first 200 or so years of this country. This new law, which is going to be, the case is going to be heard on November 3rd. This new case looks at a New York state law that basically requires anyone who wants to carry a gun within New York state has to show a good reason for doing so right and basically here an issue is whether the state of New York denial of petitioner applications for concealed carry licenses for self defense purposes whether that violates the second amendment so again it's it's recognized that you have a second amendment right to potentially own a gun and protect your home but The question is, can you then take that gun, carry it out into the street, which we see in other states that are very different from New York?
1: It's it's hard to imagine concealed carry or an unlimited right to carry a weapon on our city streets, on our buses, in our subways, uh, in our schools, our courts, our churches. So it seems very significant to me. Right. And another question I have is, I know that the courts rely on precedent in in making their decisions on such matters. And I'm just wondering, now that the court seems to be so overwhelmingly conservative, is there an opportunity for them to throw out all that precedent?
4: I think it's pretty scary, actually. When you look at it, for years, when when we've watched the Supreme Court nominees get Questioned and are asked about specifics, they always say, I can't talk about a specific case that might come in front of me, but I believe wholly in precedent. And what we have to do is look at the recent decisions with the Texas Supreme Court, uh, with with their their ruling on the the interim ruling on abortion, that says they seem willing to throw precedent completely out. Now, if you think back, look back to a painful time in our history about five years ago, um, the 2016 election. I hate to do that to all the listeners, but think for a minute there. During the last six to eight weeks of that election, one in four commercials that was run on television for Donald Trump was funded by the NRA. They paid $30 million to get the Supreme Court that they wanted. I don't think in their wildest dreams they thought they would get three uh, nominees, but Gorsuch was an NRA favorite from the start. Brett Kavanaugh obviously was also, you know, very very pro gun. Uh, and and you know, I, Amy Coney Barrett doesn't have quite the extensive record on gun issues that the others do, but but seems like they would be supportive. So yeah, it is very scary to think that precedent may go out the window here. But let's look at precedent. This is not precedent of a case, you know, when we look at Roe, we can talk about precedent from the last 40 or 50 years. When we're looking at gun issues and whether states have the right to put in reasonable constraints over gun access, this goes back hundreds of years. This goes back actually following the 14th Amendment, right, the Reconstruction, state legislatures put in these public carry restrictions that were designed to protect the formerly enslaved Black Americans from gun violence being foisted on them by those who were the white supremacists and those who wanted to maintain a white country, right? So there's a long history and there was this reconstruction era understanding that gave states the authority to restrict public carry. So these, these arguments that New York State pistol and rifle are making in this case just don't hold up. But Barry, I, I um...
3: Like you said, don't states traditionally have the right to regulate guns? It's not a federal thing; it's a state thing. So uh, this is kind of the opposite of the traditional thing.
4: We're advocating for states'
3: rights, so
4: it's kind of uh, reversed. Well, it is, and 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 this is you know again the the federal system that we all live under for good and for bad. Um, Congress can regulate based on tax and commerce, and. States generally have lots of flexibility to do their, And we can discuss whether or not public carry makes sense in rural environments. The arguments are very different in, a, in an Oklahoma, in a Vermont um, than they are in New York City. I you know, we can look at the data and we see public carry in any state makes that state less safe, but clearly states should have the authority. and historically, the courts have embraced that and allowed states to make those decisions. Uh, so th- this this does fly in the face of, you know, all of the uh, precedents that we've seen here.
3: Barry, getting away from the judicial to the legislative, do you think it's likely or even good that we'll ever get federal legislation to regulate guns
4: throughout, throughout the country? I, so I think... We absolutely should, right? We we know um, a majority, an overwhelming majority of our citizens want to have better, you know, common sense gun laws here. We know that the House of Representatives has passed legislation uh, in 2019 and 2021, following when they uh, had the majority, gained the majority in 2018, common sense gun laws like requiring a background check on every gun that was sold. Um, You know, we have a system where, you know, the 41 can prevent uh, in the Senate can prevent legislation, prevent a majority from moving forward. So those bills have not been able to move forward in the Senate. Um, But that's basically uh, an indication of our broken Senate rules, not a question of how, you know, whether or not the federal government should be able to have reasonable constraints on guns.
1: Well, thank you for that explanation. Now, the next question is, are there any actions for people, any actions in in front of the court, anything regular citizens can do to weigh in on this case?
4: You know, so when it's in front of the Supreme Court, it's a little harder for, you know, it's, it's not like calling your congressman or, you know, doing other things there there are amicus briefs that have been filed by many organizations who represent many citizens so uh, you know mom's demand action is part of every town for gun safety and every town filed an amicus brief uh, here uh, with with the court uh, so the the legal Defense fund of the NAACP filed an amicus brief there have been many many amicus briefs have been filed expressing you know, concerns raised some of the things I mentioned today and across, I mean, you know, the, when I mentioned LDF, the Legal Defense Fund, the racial nature of this, you know, again, going back to the history and so much of our history of guns in this country can be tied to slave catchers. We know, you know, the first police forces in the United States grew out of groups who were chasing bounties to hunt down slaves. Um, sounds right. We thought bounties were a thing of the past, but that's where we got our policing in America. And when you look at many of the laws around guns, they are, you know, it was really the the racial overtones are pretty obvious. And we know that the people most impacted by gun violence in America today are people of color. We know it's women. We know it's the poor. We know it's LGBTQ groups. It it, it are, are the people who are most at risk in many aspects of society are, are increasingly at risk and do not receive the protections they need from gun violence. We've seen, you know, how many trans women have been killed by gun violence in the country this year. So we see it over and over and over. So th- there's there's a racial aspect to this. So I'm thrilled to see the LDF jumping in because you know these these concealed carry restrictions have been put in place by states to protect Black people, and they really do play a huge role. As as Sarah mentioned, can you imagine walking into Grand Central or Times Square or walking through Central Park and knowing that a majority or a a large group of people could easily be armed? It's just unimaginable for New York, and and we know that it really uh, impacts uh, Black people, particularly young black men.
1: Well, thank you for that.
3: Barry, what do you think the, um, the likelihood of, what do you think the result will be from the Supreme Court dealing with the Corlett case? How do you feel it's gonna
4: go? You know, It's a tough question. I, I would say this, the last time that this group, New York State Pistol and Rifle, uh, argued before the Supreme Court, which was just two years ago, uh, they they lost and they were not able to advance this kind of extreme position. I'd love to believe that the same will happen here because the merits of the case suggest, you know, there, there's almost no issue that has such a strong historical lineage uh, around firearm regulations as this public carry one. So everything around it says that This should be a no brainer and should be, you know, rejected by the courts. And then I look at the makeup of the court and I look at the extremist, you know, the extreme justices that have been rammed through into this court. And I don't have the confidence that I'd like to have. Uh, But I've been I've lived in New York most of my life and I just cannot imagine what a New York would be like with concealed carry um, everywhere you go. So I'm hoping that reason and precedent win out. If, if New York pistol and rifle is successful, it says that no state will have the ability to restrict carry. So you will have carry in California, in Massachusetts, in New York, Connecticut, every, every state that has done the hard work and, and, look, this is not hard to, look, to understand for people. If you look at the states that have done the most work to have strong uh, common sense gun laws, we are the same states that have the lowest rate of gun violence. So New York is, has, you know, is the second best and second safest state from gun violence in the country. And you look at Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, and others with similar laws, and they're all at the top. You flip the chart and you look at the states that have lax gun laws, and it's, it's Louisiana, it's Texas, it's Oklahoma, and, 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 and they have the highest rates of gun violence. So we know if, if we are unsuccessful in this case, we know what's coming to all of our states.
1: Well, thanks so much for taking time to explain the history of such laws and what's at stake in this court case, and we will all be watching it very closely. Thanks for your time. And it was very nice to meet you.
3: And thank you, Barry, for all the work you've done, you do to um, help us with the gun situation in our state. We appreciate it.
4: Well, thank you, Libby. Thank you, Shep. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, you know, we love GAG. We, are, we know that not there's not one organization that can solve all this. And we are strongest when, when our community partners are all working together. And there's nobody out there doing more work and, and bringing the energy than gag. We love you guys, so thank you.
5: To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against Guns NY on Facebook and Instagram, at gagnoguns on Twitter as well. Everybody is welcome at any and all gag events. And another way to get involved is by becoming a WBAI buddy. A WBAI buddy is someone who keeps our unique volunteer-run radio show going by giving a small donation every month. And really, folks, just a modest monthly contribution can really help keep us on the air here at WBAI to bring you this show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio
4: Gag. Now now we are pleased to
3: introduce... Ben Williams, a longtime member of GAG and an attorney who will give his personal perspective on the upcoming Supreme Court case, New York Pistol and Rifle Association versus Corlett. So um, welcome, Ben.
5: Awesome. Um, Thanks, Jeff.
3: Now, uh, GAG's connection to the Supreme Court case is that uh, Lambda Legal has um, given an abacus brief, and um, we found out that GAG was mentioned. And how did you find out about that?
5: So you know, it actually, it's it's just a funny small world. I was on a um, shuttle bus back from the Fire Island ferry um, from from Sayville back to the train station, and my good friend and longtime uh, friend Omar sat down. and Omar's a lead attorney at Lambda Legal, and he said, "Hey, we're we're going to be filing an amicus brief before the Supreme Court on behalf of LGBTQ groups, and we would absolutely love to have Gag um, participate. Would you be interested?" And I said. You know, absolutely, overwhelmingly interested. I mean, talking back to that first meeting where, where we met, where we were all there, I, I, we had a name and we had a bunch of people, but not much else at that point. I mean, I remember as a lawyer, there just thinking like, how can I make sure the group is is well structured and safe? And people were donating money. How do we keep the money safe? I certainly wasn't thinking, you know, as a lawyer, one one day our name would be on a brief filed at the Supreme Court. So. When Omar offered, I jumped at that. I know many others in the group had been working on it um, as well. And so I was happy to read it, um, give my endorsement to it, talk through anyone who had questions about it, and help in any way I could to make sure that our name was on that brief. And and it is quite proud of that.
3: Well, that's really cool that gag made it to the Supreme Court. Um, In what way was it mentioned? In what context?
5: Sure. So Gays Against Guns, along with a number of other great organizations, Equality in New York is another great example of an organization that signed on to the brief, lent its name to the principles and the argument that were in this brief. And we basically said, or I should say land Legal and a a team of talented attorneys who wrote this on our behalf said um, that gun violence is is a uniquely dangerous um, problem for the LGBT community. The LGBT community is at a higher risk of hate crimes than any other group. And the LGBT community suffers disproportionately from gun violence as a result, particularly trans people, particularly trans women of color. And so um, Gays Against Guns since its founding has has been a strong advocate for taking measures to prevent gun violence against the LGBT community. And um, as such, we were kind of the perfect partner to sign onto a brief highlighting how dangerous it is for the LGBT community to have guns running amok.
3: Thank you for all that information. And um, uh, I'm sure you love listening to WBAI every Tuesday afternoon at 2.30, (laughs) 99.5,
5: you do? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I think the radio gag is a great way to get information on the latest happenings in this area hearing about what you can do, learning more information about ongoing issues and staying engaged. This is critically important. And listening to our program here is something that you should tell your friends about, get everyone involved and stick with us, listen to us, join us.
1: Thank you again for listening. And thank you again to our guests, Leslie Lee, J.W. Walker.
3: Barry Grabart, and Ben Williams.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. And here to take us out is our political singing quartet. Sing Out Louise.
0: Building a wall between churches and Congress, making a choice between rightness and wrongness, taking down tyrants who act like they're kings. These are a few of my favorite things. The right to gather and the First Amendment, choices I'd rather and thoughts independent. Getting a lawyer when I'm in a fight These are a few of my favorite rights. When the laws bend, when the feds cheat, and I'm feeling mad I simply remember the Constitution And then I don't feel so bad Marching around when I'm angry with Congress Shall hang them down to make them keep their promise. Going to school feeling safe day and night. These are a few of my favorite rides. When When the news news sucks, when When the jerks win, and I'm feeling mad. I simply remember the Constitution, and then I don't feel so bad.